I promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Hello, and welcome back to the Tread Weary Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Carlton Smee, and this is the audio arm of treadweary.com where we gather around the Word of God to see what it is that God has done for us. How, how God has worked the verbs in our favor, how he has been for us from the beginning of time. And it's one of the biggest stumbling blocks we have as human beings, as sinners, as, as creatures. We always want to do things of our own accord. We want to save ourselves. We want to earn our way to something. Many times we do not want something for free. And then God comes and gives us life. And then there's other times that we do desire something for free for our own gain, for our own personal choice, and almost disregard that which might be sacrificed for us. And it is Christ who comes and does the exact thing that that we often take for granted, which is a giving of himself. And with that in mind, we are picking up again here in John 18. We've been working our way through John and looking at it from the lens of worship and we're going to continue to do that. We are we are making our way through, and we're almost done. We are at the end of John 18. We're going to be looking at Jesus before Pilate, right before he's going to be taken away and flogged and mocked and crucified. And we just got done looking at Peter and his denial, and before that, Jesus before the chief priests. And so now we dig into the next extension of the story. And so we will be picking up where we left off at verse 28 of John chapter 18. So go get your Bibles, pause this if you don't have a Bible with you, and open up your Bible to John chapter 18. And we are going to be beginning at verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They, that is the religious leaders, the Pharisees, did not enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, You take him and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? said Pilate. After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They shouted back, 
Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let us pray. Gracious God, we beg that you would make known to us your truth. Help us to see Christ and to see his work for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, they, that is, the religious leaders, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, led Jesus from the high priest to Pilate, to his headquarters. But they did not enter the headquarters because they wanted to be able to eat of the Passover. They did not want to be ritually defiled because of uh, entering into the domicile of not only a Gentile, but a Gentile uh, oppressor, shall we say. It's an interesting footnote for us to see that here. How often it is that in our religiosity, in our rituals, whatever the case might be, and it doesn't matter which form of Christianity you are part of, how often it is that the rituals, the outward commitments become often more important than the inward life, than the life brought by the Spirit into our hearts, melting our heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. How often it is that we will do a ritual, whatever the, whatever it might be, just for the sake that it's a ritual, regardless of what actually it does for us. For instance, we could pick anything dealing with our worship how it is that, that regardless of, of where our hearts might be, we want certain things because we want to be able to do those certain things when, in fact, often those very things are what are killing us, what are destroying our faith, destroying our worship, destroying us as followers of Christ because we have often taken him down from his cross and put something else up there in its place. We've talked about this before. Here we have the religious leaders who want to eat of the Passover. They want to take part in the the most important ritual of their day. And yet they see themselves being defiled if they were to go into Pilate's headquarters. But they don't see themselves being defiled by the fact that they have brought an innocent man to be executed. That they know that they have no right to convict him of anything under their law. It's a big step for us to realize that, that Christ had fulfilled, kept, held in completion the Torah, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the, the laws that were present both in heart and soul, in ink and paper. He had kept those things. And so they bring him to Pilate. They bring him to uh, a Gentile in order to be able to put him to death because the only possible charge they could bring against him was the fact that he might possibly be a rebel. Never mind the fact also that Rome didn't really care. They would kill any Jew that they wanted to. It didn't matter to them. These folks were expendable. They were the most powerful empire in the world. And yet, Pilate wants to know, what charge do you bring against this man? And they make it very clear, if this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Basically saying to Pilate, 
Well, you find something <laughs> to charge him with. We know that he's guilty of something. You you need to charge him with something so you can do our job for us because we don't want to do it. How often it is, too, that with our sin, we are able to try and wash our hands of it because maybe we see someone else doing the dirty work for us. And Pilate says, you take him and, and judge him according to your law. Basically, Pilate's saying, I don't have time for this. I don't see anything wrong with this guy. He's a, he's a carpenter from Nazareth. He, he hasn't, as far as I can tell, there's nothing wrong with him. And then they make it very clear, it's not legal for us to put anyone to death. Meaning that they were going to be breaking Roman law by charging and stoning Christ without uh, him being judged guilty by the authorities. That they weren't allowed to just start willy-nilly killing anybody. They had to have permission, right? But then John adds, they said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. What this means is that Christ had to be handed over to the Romans so that he might be crucified. Why crucifixion? He, the, the, the law would have told him that he was going to be stoned. He was going to be stoned for blasphemy, or he would be stoned for all sorts of, of crimes that they would be able to make up about him. But he needed to be crucified. Why? Well, first, because it says that cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Our gospels say that Christ fulfills that. It also says in Isaiah 53 that he's pierced for our transgressions. He is needing to be pierced for us. Not stoned, pierced. But even more importantly, he needs to be handed over to Gentiles that he might be a Jewish Messiah killed by the nations that instead of just being a Jewish Messiah, he is the Messiah, the one who has made atonement for all, not just the Jews, but for the whole world there in his crucifixion on that cross, that Roman cross, that Roman cross becomes our cross, the cross that we nailed him to, because we, unless you are Jewish, are Gentiles. And so it becomes this story here, this, this account of his trial and his soon-to-be execution that becomes the focus of all our worship because we start to see the lengths to which God goes to provide the lamb for the sacrifice, to provide the lamb to remove our sin. The length that is taken that he, he, he cannot be convicted by those religious leaders of his people. He has to be taken and convicted by the greatest empire in the world that he might die the most gruesome death for you. And so all those other things that you, you place as your quote-unquote Passover meal, that, that you, you want to avoid other things in order so that you can have that Passover meal while still sinning, whatever it might be, here for the, here for the religious leaders, they are 
willing to have an innocent man be murdered, be executed, be killed, and they don't see in that a defilement. But they see in their entering into Pilate's headquarters a defilement that would keep them from celebrating the ritual that marks the redemption that was a precursor to the work of Christ, that Christ is that Passover lamb that was killed with the blood on the doorposts to keep the angel of death away. Well, then Pilate goes back into the headquarters and he summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Because he was the only way that he could convict him. Are you a rebel? Are you, are you the one that I need to kill because you are rebelling against Rome? Do I need to set an example? And Jesus says, are you asking on your own? Is this a confession that you're making of your own, Pilate? Or have you just heard about it? Are you wanting to know if I'm your king? Or are you just going by the words of those who want to see me die? And he says, am I a Jew? No, but your own people, your religious leaders, the people who should know you, they're, they're handing me over to you, the ones, the ones who should be worshiping you, who, who should be behind you, who should be desiring to see you exalted. They're the ones who have handed you over. What is it you've done, King of the Jews? And then he makes it very clear, my kingdom is not of the world of this world, meaning I'm, I'm not just king of the Jews. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But what did we see before? They didn't fight, they ran. They betrayed, they ran, they denied. Yes, Peter pulls a sword and cuts off an ear because he's such a bad shot. <laughs> But that was it, and even Christ says, put your sword away, because I must drink of this cup. And then he says again, my kingdom is not from here. My kingdom is not a kingdom like the kingdoms you think I should be having. My kingdom is not a kingdom in which insurrection is the way to gain it. My kingdom is a kingdom in which death is the way to gain it. So Pilate kind of gets it. He says, you're a king then. And Jesus says, well, you say so. I was born for this, though. This is the thing that I was born for. This is the thing that I was incarnated for. This is the thing that caused me to come and put on the Jesus suit. I've come into the world for this, to testify, to witness to the truth, to bear witness to what is true. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth, asks Pilate. That is a question that gets asked all the time in our society now, in our, in our, our, our postmodern outlook, where nothing is true anymore. Everything is relative. All things are valid. And yet that casts away the idea of faith. Because we see faith as something weird. We see it you know, as just religion in and of itself or whatnot. But faith in itself, especially if you go with the Greek word, it means to trust something, to believe that something is true over and against something else. And here Christ is saying that he has come to testify to the truth, to the thing that is true, to the thing 
to the one that is true. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. They hear me. It's the reason why Christ says after many of his parables, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. Let them hear these things. Let their ears be opened that they might hear. And we've talked about this quite a bit, about this working of the Spirit to open our ears that we might hear these words, this truth of who Christ is and what it is that he has done, that he is going to such lengths to be crucified on your behalf, that you are in such pain, such anguish in your sin that you don't even know it, that this coming Sunday, the the sermon text for Reformation Sunday is John 8, where Christ says, if the Son makes you free, then you are freed indeed. And, And the Jews freak out about that because they say, well, we're sons of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Never mind the fact that he could go back and tell them about the Exodus, or he could take them down the street to show them the uh, barracks where the, the, the guards are stationed of the Roman Empire as they are under the thumb of an occupation by a very powerful military force. But they truly believe that they are not enslaved, that they have freedom, And yet Christ says, if you're a slave to sin, you're a slave. And you are. But if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. And here Christ speaking truth to us that in our sin, we find all sorts of other things to keep us clean. We might even look the other way over something that truly defiles us in order that we might not be defiled, quote-unquote, to be able to participate in whatever ritual it is that we are wanting to have. And yet, how often it is that we would rather sign away the truth, sign away what it is that is being spoken to us here right now of this Christ, this one who is a king, whose kingdom is not of this world, who has come for you to win you through a crown of thorns and a throne of cross for that purpose that he might forgive your sin forgive your times of not believing the truth every time that you doubt he still stands there to speak to you in his word to say no it's true all of it every single bit of it after he had said this it says Pilate went out to the Jews again and told them I find no grounds for charging him You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Here Pilate gives them one more chance at repentance. One more chance to to turn back and allow this innocent man to go free. And it wasn't to be. Because they shout back, not this one, but Barabbas. A revolutionary, a robber a rebel, an actual person who should have been executed for uh, crimes against the state. He was an insurrectionist, a thief, a thief, an overthrower of the government, the embodiment of what it was that, that, that Pilate thought he saw in Christ or he was supposed to see. And he becomes the exact opposite of Jesus. There's a few things you need to see in that church. 
First, his name is Barabbas, meaning son of daddy. Abba, father. Does that sound familiar? A son of the father. And he happens to be every sinful thing that the innocent Jesus was being convicted of, an insurrectionist, a thief, an opposer of government. And he is set free. And Christ takes his place. It's no coincidence. For Barabbas is you. Barabbas is me. And there Christ is in your stead. Well, we will continue this story next time as we head into the account of the mocking and the beating and the crucifixion. And you need to be thinking, where is God bringing you? in this? What has God been working in you through the Spirit? How has God been enlivening you to know your sin, but to see your Jesus even more? To see the fact that you can try all you want to redeem yourself, but it is Christ who does the redeeming for you, because he went to such lengths, and so when we deny it, when we say no way, we basically tell Christ, All the work that you have done for me, I don't want it. I don't need it. No thanks. And yet hear how often it is that we need to be reminded that we are Barabbas. And one whom we probably did not even know his name took our place to take our pain for us. To free us that we might be his people for his sake. Well, church, I hope you have a wonderful remainder of your week, and I pray that God would be with you as you go throughout it. And with that, go with the blessings of God upon you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.